0: on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas, and this is Premier Christian Radio. We're all in lockdown at the moment. Everyone's asking the same question. When's it going to end? When is it going to change? And suddenly, our lives have been altered. We've never experienced anything quite like this before, at least most of us. Those who Navigated the rigors of the Second World War, well, they weren't exactly in lockdown but faced all kinds of restrictions for about six years. And here we are, just a few weeks in, and let's face it, some of us are struggling. And some of the struggle is just about slowing down. I remember the day when feverish excitement broke out in the Lucas household, and all because of the arrival of tomato ketchup. A confession like that probably paints us as a sad family that needs to get out more if we get giddy and Don party hats every time the groceries arrive. But this was no ordinary ketchup. The Heinz Company, ever eager to improve on perfection, has produced what looks like an upside-down ketchup bottle with the cap on the bottom. This simple revolution means that the red stuff is always pulled down by gravity, and so no shaking is needed and there's no delay when we want to garnish our eggs. The quick on the draw idea was born when Heinz asked customers how their iconic product could be improved. They told us the ketchup is perfect the way it is, said a spokesman. Their concerns were more about access. And so the boffins at Ketchup Central went back to the drawing board and the new packaging means that we now live in the age of spring-loaded sauce. Ketchup ready when you are, chortles the label. Hallelujah, it's celebration time. As a confessed quickaholic, my name is Jeff and I haven't got time to tell you my last name. I've always found the two-second shake and wait with the sauce so very frustrating. I eat at high speed as if I'm afraid that someone's about to steal my chicken. And I prefer the shampoo with the conditioner combined because it saves me time. And speaking of showers, I begin most days slightly damp because I don't like to hang around to fully dry off. Seconds matter. When my computer takes longer than usual to download my emails, I twitch I know that life is a marathon designed to be a comfortable jog, but I tend to tackle it at at a sprint. Ironically, by going fast, I end up being late. Trying to squeeze too much in before I drive to an appointment, I calculate precisely how much time is needed for the journey, fret all the way, pray for red lights to turn green, and arrive white-knuckled, agitated, and late. And I create complicated, and yet more time-consuming problems by reacting rather than responding, rushing with mad haste to press send in response to an irritating email. Perhaps, worst of all, life in the fast lane becomes a blur. Laugh-out-loud moments that I should be savouring are left behind in the dust as I move on to the next thing. My theory is that I'm going to continue to hurtle through the whole of the rest of my life at a rate of knots, which would lead to my death, my premature death. Perhaps when they throw me in the grave, my body will thrash around for three days just because of the momentum. My challenge isn't jet lag, I think it's life lag. as Lily Tomlin famously said, in the rat race, even if you win, you're still a rat. And so I'm taking the opportunity of the lockdown to try, to desperately try, to learn, to slow down. I'm asking Jesus, who was not only the prince of peace, but the prince of poise with it, to help me to break before I break. Normally, I wouldn't be able to go on a sabbatical, and I certainly wouldn't be renting a monk's habit and go all contemplative, or abandon my responsibilities. But I can stop to breathe, allow laughter to linger, and refuse to allow the schedule, even in lockdown, To be something that drives me rather than me controlling it. I can spend more time perhaps doing frivolous and useless things just for the sake of doing them. I can raise a glass to the sunset, go for a walk and do that under government guidelines, read a novel, and perhaps not just a Christian one, for no other purpose than relaxation. Years ago, I read a book with the title of which really intrigued me. It was When I Relax, I Feel Guilty. During lockdown, I'm learning that that's still true, but I'd really like to change. Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love the profile podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith, and testimony. Here's Justin Welby. Part of my daily prayer discipline is praying in tongues every day, and not as a sort of occasional thing, but as just part of daily prayer. Listen to the full interview with Justin Welby now on the Profile Podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you get your podcast from, or visit PremierChristianRadio.com forward slash the Profile. I'm Jeff Lucas. We're talking about lockdown today, of all things. Actually, everyone's talking about lockdown. And you and I, we all spent Palm Sunday in lockdown, and I discovered that a major symptom of these circumstances in which we find ourselves, a major symptom, is just lethargy. And I'd like to talk about it right now, if, of course, I can be bothered to talk about it right now. Lethargy, which is not the word liturgy spoken with a lisp, is a symptom that I believe is affecting many of us right now. A few weeks ago, when celebrating Palm Sunday, I realized it was afflicting me. During that day when, figuratively speaking, we should have all been scaling up palm trees, don't do that in shorts, and cutting down palm fronds so that we can wave them as Jesus trundles by on a donkey. That was the day when the cry of Hosanna should have been in our throats, the hope of the world, riding into town. The cavalry has arrived to save us. Hip, hip, hooray. But here's the thing. During Palm Sunday, there were no crowds because they were all thinned out by social distancing and lockdown, and rightly so. And so some of us found ourselves observing that holy week, but feeling tired, flat, weary, and frankly, somewhat unholy as a result. Where doth this lethargy cometh from, I hear you ask, you who've been reading the King James Version a bit, because you've got too much time on your hands. Well, for one thing, we're inactive. Yes, we can go out for exercise, but the sight of an approaching stranger nudges us into multi-layered apprehension. What if they are carriers of the dreaded pox? And then, what side of the path or pavement should I occupy? Do normal traffic rules apply? Why aren't they moving over to play their part in the distancing routine? And then, as we pass fellow walkers and exercisers, should we greet them even briefly, expelling something called droplets in the process? Should we smile, wish them well, or just silently scurry on? And is that masked person someone taking extra distancing precautions, or are they in fact a bank robber on their way home from a failed job? They went to rob the bank, but like everything else, it was shut. Are they one of those who are committing an act that has only recently been criminalized, sunbathing, or even worse, picnicking? We're not sure whether we should smile or nod or call the police on them. We watch screens and we're overwhelmed by a continual flow of bad news, daunting statistics and speculation. In order to get away from news of drama, hypocrisy, political bluster and death, We binge watch Netflix and BBC iPlayer and Amazon Prime, which provide endless episodes of drama, hypocrisy, political bluster and death. We're grateful for national leaders who are doing their best and heartened by health worker heroes, who we know are spending themselves for us. We applaud Captain Tom. We hear talk of the front line, appropriate language of war, which is what this is but then their self-sacrificial giving of themselves creates a greater sense of powerlessness in us. What, if anything, can we do to help? We're told that our greatest contribution is to stay at home and save lives, and that is true, but it does seem like a paltry effort. In lockdown, our conversations go in circles because there's a shortage of, so what did you do today, chatter, because we all know what we did today. Hearing the headlines, we rehearse them to each other. And then we feel additional gloom about feeling glum together because we know that there are many who have to steer through lockdown alone. All in all, some of us feel various degrees of emotional flatness. I share this not to add to the sense of gloom, but to say that it's okay to feel like this. We should grieve when young nurses and doctors die, when we wonder what on earth will happen to the poor in India. We should recognize that we are created for productivity, and that when our capacity to deliver, produce, complete, and resolve, we feel stunted. We should know that we're suffering the effect of seismic shock thrust suddenly into a Bruce Willis disaster movie, one in which Brucey has yet to rescue us from the approaching meteor, or in this case, the dreaded virus. Being around friends and family is so precious, so it's understandable that we feel a sense of lack, even impoverishment, when we cannot connect, laugh, dine with, and hug those we like and love. But on Palm Sunday, those of us who follow Christ should still reach for a palm branch, and whatever Sunday it is, we should be people who worship. When it comes to the palm branches, Our arms might feel tired as we wave them and our cries of hosanna might have felt just a little hollow. Perhaps we felt a little silly even waving bits of a tree without a crowd or a physical congregation to bolster our hearts. Perhaps singing along with that live stream service seems really rather odd. And praying can feel dutiful. We have been asking God to intervene but while there are rays of light, heartening stories and clouds that come complete with some silver lining, significant divine infiltration is yet to be forthcoming. What we do know is that our emotions are not the barometer of our spirituality. We look past the headlines to the one who has ridden into the city to die, to live, to ascend, and ultimately to come again. And so we trust him. We trust him when we don't know what he's doing, or if in this current season, if he is doing very much. His hand is not easy to trace that doesn't mean his hand is not active in our lives and in our world. And when we do not see his obvious work, we trust his heart and we know that it is moved. When we feel nudged towards hopelessness, faith affirms that he is still our hope. We follow in the steps of our Christian ancestors, some of whom walked to martyrdom, perhaps hoping that God would protect them from the flames, yet trusting him in their final breaths. So let's go ahead In lockdown, let's worship, let's pray, let's trust, let's hope. We know it makes sense. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. This is Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas, and this is Lucas on Lockdown. I've been finding it quite difficult to pray during the lockdown. Actually, I find it challenging, just to be honest, to pray at the best of times. It didn't take a global pandemic to challenge my intercessory ability. I struggled during better times when people gathered, when pubs were open, when churches met. Chatting with someone who's invisible is not something that comes easy to me. Some people describe prayer as a conversation, which it is not, at least for me. There are times, all too rare, when I do have a sense that God is directly responding back to me, but mostly I feel what I felt when twiddling the knob of an old transistor radio. I get a sudden splurge of voice, quickly obliterated by static. And then when I try to retune it, it turns out I was connecting with a Russian station that focuses on music that emanates from the oboe. I had rather expected that a world crisis would focus and even embolden my praying. This is because I'm rather good at loud screaming when under pressure, so I anticipated the same fervency, clarity and intensity in prayer when under pressure shared by the rest of the planet, but sadly, that has not been the case. I'm not sure I can describe it adequately, but the crisis has changed me, and now, off the wall as it sounds, I now feel that I need to reintroduce myself to Jesus, Now, of course, that's not true, so don't write in. I do believe that I am utterly known by him, but there's been such a shift in my priorities, such turbulence in my moods, and along with everyone else, apart from a few errant sunbathers, such a change in my everyday lifestyle. So I feel unfamiliar with myself. And then when I come to pray, I feel like I need to update him on the adjustments, And that if I explain, I might get some insight about the alterations to myself, but then where do I start? And then, when I do come to pray, there's so much to talk about beyond me. So many challenges, problems, and needs, statistics, predictions, hopes, fears, help. They overwhelm like a tsunami. Where to begin? Now, this is a different challenge from what I'm used to. Often, I don't pray more because I don't know what to say. That's why liturgy can be helpful, especially when life renders us speechless. It's rather wonderful to use the well-crafted words shaped by someone who lived a few hundred years ago. And then there's the challenge that I face when I start to pray about the little problems in my own life. I have discovered that they were small. I have wished I could go back to worrying about what made me anxious before this pandemic took over all our lives. The trouble is, for the life of me, I can't remember most of what I was worried about back then. A couple of things that I feared greatly have come to pass. I am surprised that I've not been floored by them. There have been a couple of examples of apparent God activity in my personal life. I'd like to call them answers to prayer, but I hadn't asked for them to happen, so I can't claim them as an answer. Although I do find some strength and hope in these minor interventions, I am mostly embarrassed by them because they seem rather trivial, silly even. I'm tempted to ask God not to be bothered about all my stuff, at least for a while, and then I'm anxious that maybe he won't bother about all my stuff, at least for a while. What I do know is that I still want to keep praying, but I understand prayer less than ever really, because I don't think that prayer works in the same way that a machine works. I'm convinced that God doesn't have a prayerometer in the heavenlies, as if he says, yes, 4,526,292 people have now requested that this virus be nuked. So come on, angels, let's get cracking. But I do know this, that he does call us as followers of Jesus into partnership with him, faithful in prayer. Yes, I do know that prayer is difficult and will remain so, Yes, I do know that prayer is difficult and will remain so. The Bible concedes that we struggle. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but then encourages us with the news that the Holy Spirit wants to help us. But that doesn't mean that there won't be a struggle. So in lockdown, in our faltering, perhaps at times doubt-tinged, stumbling attempts, let's keep praying. And much love to you all as you do. See you next time. Lucas on life.